This is Corkscrew Convos, another theme park podcast. My name is DJ. And my name is Chris. And we're here to talk about theme parks, roller coasters, barbecue, worlds of fun, and everything else under the sun in its time. But first, let's get this disclaimer out of the way. The views, opinions, and information expressed during the following presentation are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent organizations affiliated with those individuals. Well, Chris, thank you for that disclaimer, and let me be the first to welcome both you and you, dear listener, to a very special episode. These episodes we do sparingly. We like to bring them out every once in a while when we're feeling the creative edge on typically what we're looking at and how we're feeling. Uh, We're doing something very special today. This is a Plan a Park episode today, Chris. Oh yes, this is going to be our third one. Uh, We've actually done this idea of an episode twice before. Uh, The first one was at Cedar Point, and that's pretty early on in our episodes, so if people do give it a listen back, they might hear that maybe the sound quality and editing isn't quite what we do now, and I'll say bear with us if you're listening back there, but um, also... Uh, several weeks ago, we also did a Plan a Park episode for Six Flags America. So we definitely have a lot of variety out there going from what many people consider is the greatest collection of roller coasters ever, according to some people at least, and uh, then a park like Six Flags America, which definitely has a handful of good coasters, but also uh, a lot of room for expansion as well. So we really have that variety out there in our Plan a Park episodes, and now here we go with our third one. Yes, and I imagine today's park of choice, today's selection for our Plan a Park creative minds, creative vision, is similar in some ways to Six Flags America, and honestly to Cedar Point a bit too, and we'll get into that in a second. Uh, But let's do a little tease here, Chris. Let's let's kind of amp up what we're talking about. Uh, Obviously, you're seeing which park we are talking about in the episode title, but let's give a little background to this park. We imagine, at least I think, uh, the majority of our audience listening to this podcast has not been to this park. Why would you say that, DJ? I think where it's located, there's, it's might be a bit more difficult to get to. There is a very close airport nearby, so I don't mean it in that regards, but maybe the reasoning to get there isn't as high on folks' bucket list per se. Uh, There's not really anything record-breaking at this park. There's not really anything um, maybe one-of-a-kind at this park necessarily. There are definitely some fun flat rides and some interesting coasters here, Uh, but I don't think, especially where this park is located, people would make the trip Uh, just to go to this park. It's definitely one of those parks that you may visit driving through or you happen to be close by. I doubt, though, that people are making the trip to this park, at least at this point in time. Uh, I would probably agree with that because, I mean, not every park in the world or even the country really is going to have a draw that's beyond the metropolitan area or the region. And there's nothing wrong with that. And we see that with a lot of the parks that we enjoy that we simply live, that we simply live near. And we like to go there regularly throughout the summer. I mean, not every park can be Magic Kingdom by any means. That's true. And it's, it's a good point you bring up. And definitely this park is poised or pointed at 
folks in this region, specifically the metropolitan area, the area surrounding this park. Uh, it's located in the heartland of the United States. Uh, it has seven roller coasters. However, it's interesting to point out that it's been over 10 years, really 12 years in fact, uh, since this park has had its last coaster installation. Um, that being said, there still is a certain charm at this park. Uh, there's a story that really brings it all together. This park is owned by Cedar Fair, who also owns Cedar Point, Kings Island, California's Great Adventure, uh, other parks. You know, this park, I think, stands out amongst the Cedar Fair lineup. Why is that? I think this park, opposed to the other Cedar Fair parks, it had a very long existence before being in the Cedar Fair family. Now, that being said, yes, there were other parks that were bought, and some I just mentioned were, never, were not always in the Cedar Fair uh, lineup, but this park had a different sort of vibe, a different ownership to it. It was owned by uh, Hunt Midwest Enterprises uh, out of Kansas City, Missouri, where we're going for this episode. Uh, it was, in that regards, almost a family-owned park in, in, in that essence. It's, it, it obviously wasn't owned by just one person, but it had more of a privatized feel to it, uh, if that makes sense. And so there was more... I think focus on storytelling, immersion. Uh, there's been quite a history at this park, many rides that were here, many rides that are now gone, replaced with other rides. Um, I think though, if you go to this park, you're going to be surprised and you may even be questioning, is it a Cedar Fair park? Now I will say throughout the years, you're seeing more of the overall Cedar Fair branding coming into play. Um, even with, you know, tr switching out the trash cans all the way to the new entrance the park has had in the past what, five years, um, really morphing it into the Cedar Fair family. But you can still see some of the history of the park and where it used to be. Yeah, that's right. And I think we've said a lot to introduce what this park is. DJ, I'm ready to learn. What park are we planning? Please tell us. <laughs> we are planning Worlds of Fun located in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, oh. located in the barbecue capital of the world, at least according to me. Um, hmm. We don't have enough time to go into that <laughs> sentence that you just gave us there, but uh, let's revisit it on the next episode. Because I got some things to think to say about that. But this could okay. that could be its own podcast. It could easily. I mean, cookout convos. I think uh, who came up with that name? It wasn't <laughs> us, but there, there's some smoke to that fire, and that's a pun. <laughs> oh. Well, we are talking about Worlds of Fun today, and just a quick rundown. Let's give a crash course on this park, what's included at this park, uh, and then we'll jump into what we see happening in the next five years. Uh, there's probably some things, dear listener, we're going to say you won't agree with. That's really the whole point of this episode. Yeah. You're getting <laughs> our opinion of what we think would be great for this park, for a park that, in my opinion, is already a great park to visit. Uh, Chris, I know you've been a couple times, but yeah. uh, maybe maybe three, three or four times. Um, but I uh, grew up going to this park. It's been a part of my life. Uh, and so up until I moved away from the area, this was the closest park to me. And so um, always love going back, seeing nostalgia. Uh, we talked about at the, uh, one of the other parks we talked about, Chris, you were at Six Flags America where you had your first date. Uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, went, I went to Worlds of Fun with countless of friends groups, uh, high school groups even, uh, after school sort of stuff, extracurricular groups. We went to Worlds of Fun all the time, so I feel like I know it like the back of my hand. Um, but it has an interesting history. Uh, and what's 
what's something to note here um, is that the park came into existence in Kansas City at around the same time that a lot of modernization projects were happening. Uh, really what we're looking at here is the World's a Fun Wikipedia page. It's a great place to get information from. You have to consider at the same time the Kansas City International Airport was being built. You also had Kemper Arena, which is now called the High V Arena, and also the Truman Sports Complex. Uh, and so Mid-America Enterprises, which was owned by Lamar Hunt, um, was in fact taking shape worlds of fun and what it would look like. The amusement park construction started in 1969, uh, and it was originally planned to complement this 500-acre hotel. Um, but the parks in its early years with how the economy was, it kind of derailed that. And it really became what it's known as today. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, where the Timberwolf is, the one of the current wooden roller coasters at the park, um, there was a ride there uh, known as the Scream Roller. And I believe, I could be wrong on this, Chris, but the Scream Roller was converted to the EXT Roller, and I believe when that happened, this was one of the first stand-up roller coasters uh, in the world. Yes, if I'm not mistaken, when they converted what was just a generic Aero Corkscrew coaster, it was the first stand-up coaster in the United States. It was not the first purpose-built stand-up coaster in the U.S. I think that belonged to King Cobra at King's Island, if I'm not mistaken, which was a Togo stand-up coaster. Uh, but this was the first experience that allowed people to stand up in the ride vehicle to experience the ride. Yes, and interestingly enough, um, was actually transformed by Arrow. I think when you think of these early stand-ups, I always go to Togo as being the manufacturer of those. Uh, but this was also done by Arrow with the conversion on that. Uh, sadly, that coaster is no longer there. It is now Timberwolf, which is now a great wooden roller coaster after all the work and, and money that Worlds of Fun has put in to bring that coaster back to its former glory. Uh, but there's some other rides there as well. And we can talk on the roller coaster for, for just a second. Um, we look at the rides that are there, starting from the oldest to what's there now. We have Timberwolf in 1989. That's a Den Corporation wooden roller coaster. And we'll get to the, some of the work they, they did on this ride a little bit later in the episode. We also have the Cosmic Coaster in 93. This is a wacky worm coaster that was converted hmm. into a more of a space theme for Planet Snoopy. Then we have Mamba, uh, 1998. This is a Morgan Hyper Coaster. This is the tallest coaster in the park. Um, and really is probably the most striking coaster when you go to the park, especially if you haven't been on tall rides before. Um, a 200 coast foot tall coaster is quite looming, especially with the large steel structure that this pink roller coaster has. Uh, going further, Boomerang 2000, just a normal boomerang like you'd see in any other park. Spinning Dragons 2004, Gertzlauer spinning coaster. Uh, very similar to the Fairly Odd coaster and also to the Tony Hawk's uh, pandemonium coasters you see nowadays at Six Flags. Patriot, the park's only B&M coaster. It's an inverted foreign version coaster. And Prowler, a 2009 GCI wooden roller coaster uh, with really a... Uh, a, a very extensive layout into the back of the park. So a wide variety of different coasters here. There are seven of them, all for different ages, different thrill levels. Um, but like I said, we haven't seen a new one since 2009. And I wager we'll probably include one in the next five years in our plan. Well, Worlds of Fun, when it opened and to an extent to today as well, has an overarching theme of Around the World in 80 Days by Jules Verne which was, uh, and still is, a book 
where somebody goes around the world in 80 days with an air balloon. And that's where we get that iconic image of Snoopy in that air balloon at Worlds of Fun. Um, So they accordingly have an African-themed section, an Americana-themed section, and then Europa, the Orient, and Scandinavia as well. And then they actually go outside of this world to another planet called Planet Snoopy. I just put that together. <laughs> exactly. A whole whole different world. And you also have the Africa section, too, where uh, most of the thrill rides are located. Yes, we have things like the Zulu, which is the Hoos Enterprise, Fear of the Nile, river rafting ride, uh, let's see, an Americana. Some of the notable rides are Cyclone Sam's, which is a Chance Rides Wipeout, which is indoors and... Uh, it has some black light effects and things like that, but they also Which have I haven't detonator. Done. <laughs> Wait, you, you haven't done Cyclone Sam's? I haven't. That's gonna. Sorry, had to make a little confession. That's gonna be on the opening day episode where I do my trip report. I'm gonna tell you how I enjoyed it. I've never done it. Wow. Even I've ridden Cyclone Sam's. It's decent, uh, but also in the Americana section, they also have Detonator, which is a combination of two SNS space shot towers. Um, yes. Some of the first. SMS towers like this, I'm pretty sure, when yep. those opened in 96. Uh, they also have a Sky Coaster and a Windseeker model, which they call Skyhawk. Uh, let's see, they have a Hus Troika, sorry, a Hus Troika called Mustang Runner. They have a Hus Condor in Europa called Falcon's Flight, uh, one of a handful of newer flat rides that they've gotten at the park over the last few years. Uh, let's see. There's Viking Voyager, the famous log flume from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> and the original ride to Worlds of Fun. That's one of the yes. oldest rides there. Yep. Yes, that is an opening day attraction from 73, still there today. Uh, Nordic Chaser, another pretty new flat ride, which is a mock sea storm flat ride. And then a ton of rides in Planet Snoopy. Uh, a lot of rides for the little ones only, uh, but also they have some flying scooters as well. Um, In addition to this, they also have Oceans of Fun, which is a water park uh, attached to that. But DJ, let's go through a recent timeline of major moves that the park has made. We've highlighted a lot of these newer attractions and what we've just covered, but I think it would be helpful to go through this timeline uh, from around 2009 to the present day, and let's quickly just go through what they added uh, and what they changed. Absolutely. In 2009, um, I think was really a few years after my coaster obsession started. I would point my coaster obsession to start in 2006, probably 2005. And so in 2009, the park had this huge campaign to announce Prowler. This is a GCI custom wooden roller coaster that goes back into the park. Um, There was really nothing back there, uh, really, except for a uh, haunted house attraction. uh, And it was more of a haunted walkthrough, really, outside. And so this really took uh, up a bunch of the woodland area. Uh, The actual coaster goes over a creek. It goes uh, through the woods underneath itself. Very, very, very well laid out GCI. Um, Lots of inspirations uh, you can see from the older coasters that were around. It's very Thunderheadish, but also more drawn out. Think of Mystic Timbers as an example there. Uh, Remember when that came out, though, I was there for opening day of Prowler, and uh, that's a memory I'll never forget. (laughs) Well, it sounds great. In 2010, they added Snoopy's Hot Summer Lights, which was a version of their 
nighttime lights. Um, some other Cedar Fair parks called them Snoopy's Starlight Spectacular. It was just some lights in the dark, uh, synchronized to music, a nice little addition to the park. In 2011, they refreshed Planet Snoopy by changing a few things, adding a few things here and there. Um, they continued to do that in 2012 as well to really build out what this park offers for the family demographic by adding Sally's swing set. Yeah, absolutely. And that Planet Snoopy refresh, you think about what was there before, you had Camp Snoopy. And so this was really a full change, a, a 180 to what had been there before. Most of the existing rides got new paint jobs. They brought in new rides. Uh, and, and I will say from someone who grew up going there, uh, it was a, a, a very welcomed refresh. That was great. 2013 gave us Dinosaurs Alive, the popular walkthrough attraction that was at a variety of Cedar Fair parks. This started underneath the park's boomerang and went back into the wooded area. Uh, also, new water slides at Oceans of Fun, a, a giant structure. I believe there was a drop slide, some great tube slides incorporated into this large structure, and the year when Oceans of Fun uh, was now, admission was included with your Worlds of Fun ticket. So prior to this, you needed two separate tickets to go to either park or get kind of a park hopper pass to go back and forth. Now your admission is included both to Oceans of Fun and Worlds of Fun. Oh, good. I, I like when parks do that where you do have the option to enjoy both the hard park and the water park on the same ticket. I think that's it's what really gives the guests the most value. In 2014, they added Steelhawk, which is a Mondial Windseeker. This actual ride itself was transplanted from Knott's Berry Farm in Buena Park, California, where they moved this 301-foot uh, swing ride to Missouri, and it's still there now. In 2015, they added a little splash area to Oceans of Fun called Splash Island. 2016, they had a major Planet Snoopy expansion again, adding five rides, including some flying scooters, which are a legendary sort of flat ride <laughs> that pretty much any park has, but they're a ton of fun. And also the Zamperla suite of little flat rides that a lot of Cedar Fair parks get when they expand their Planet Snoopy sections. I remember the first time you went to the park was with me, Chris, and you were so excited to ride the flying scooters. And my knowledge of flat rides was much lower than it is currently, and it's still not that high. But I was like, Planet uh, Flying Scooters, what is, what is he talking about? And then I saw the ride, and I was like, oh, I didn't know those were called flying scooters. <laughs> and I loved watching your satisfaction trying to whip your car. It was great. It was great. Oh, I know better than They're to snapped, try to whip Snapping, it. <laughs> snapping. <laughs> I know better than to attempt that. I might have mentioned that people do that, but personally, <laughs> I just enjoy the flight. I don't try to snap the cables. Definitely not. You were, you were very cordial and very respectful, I will say. And now we jump to 2017, uh, which is interesting because you had visited both of these years, 2016, 2017, with me. Uh, 2017 was the new park entrance uh, unveiled to the public. It was now a, a, a really a much-needed improvement to the logistics of this park. I think a lot of parks really all around the world could learn a lot from Worlds of Fun doing this. Maybe a case study is in order. Um, up until 2017, everyone entered the park through the old entrance, uh, which was really kind of the back gate, which became the main gate. And it just wasn't made for the amount of people that Worlds of Fun would bring into its gate. So we had a great new plaza area uh, opened up, very um, Cedar Fair-esque. Uh, it's, it hits right on the head of new entrances, especially ones you'd see like Cedar Point and Carowinds. We also had the introduction of Winterfest, a new winter event uh, throughout Cedar Fair Parks. This was the first year it happened at Worlds of Fun. 
And also two new flat rides, neither of which I've been on. Mustang Runner, which is a Hoos Troika, and Falcon's Flight, a Hoos Condor. And I've not been on a Troika anywhere else. And I do believe the Condor rides are relatively rare. Yeah, considering the Condor ride, I think Hershey Park used to have one. I don't think they have it anymore. And I'm struggling to think of another Hoos Condor in the United States. Uh, There might be one or a few I want to say Alabama for some reason, but I am not certain about that by any means. But it's definitely not a terribly common flat ride out there. So it's good that Worlds of Fun has it. Absolutely. And 2018 brought another somewhat, I thought, rare flat ride, a mock sea storm. This is Nordic Chaser. Uh, There is another sea storm actually in Missouri, which is quite interesting that they went with the Nordic Chaser. But it works well in the Scandinavia section of the park. And in 2019, uh, we finally saw really the finishing of Timberwolf. And what I mean by that is the retracking, the work they had done on Timberwolf. They added a new uh, element to replace the old helix that was done on Timberwolf. All the retracking made it literally a whole new ride. Uh, it's just it's just really almost as smooth as glass at this point. Uh, and also the incorporation of a new petting farm, as well as the Cotton Blossom Barbecue, which is an all-new barbecue experience um, at the park. It's really the largest eatery in the park now, I believe. Uh, and that's something I have not done. I've, I've not experienced that yet. Yeah, 2019 editions that you just covered, they sound like things that really improve the park experience even if they're not flashy it helps to have a petting zoo for the little ones and everyone else too personally i love feeding goats it's one of my favorite things to do when i am around goats and i can get that little crank uh vending machine thing that i put a quarter in then it gives me goat feed and then i just feed the goats that swarm around me i love doing that and of course cotton blossom barbecue I love barbecue. Uh, I know Kansas City likes their barbecue as well. They think they're pretty good at barbecue, and I usually agree with them. And uh, the Timberwolf itself, I haven't had the chance to ride the finished product, but when I last rode it in 2017, I think, I definitely remember really enjoying the first half and then getting the second half and realizing, oh, I can really see how much work they did in the first half. And from what you've said and from what I've seen, it sounds like they really got the second half of the ride sorted out as well so that it's a really smooth, great wooden coaster. And I love to hear that. And real quickly, two corrections here. One correction that happened in 2018, the Helix replacement. I had that on the wrong year. So just want to call that out. 2018, the Helix was added or taken out and the new overbank turn was added. And something Chris did say. Uh, just want to correct him. Kansas City does have the best barbecue in the world. Just wanted a quick correction there. DJ, I know we have to keep this episode <laughs> relatively short, so I'm going to move on from that. Uh, but in 2021, <laughs> they're going to be adding what they ori- originally planned on adding in 2020, which was Riptide Raceway, the world's longest mat racing water slide. It looks impressive. It's going to be another huge slide complex in Oceans of Fun, so definitely another great improvement to that water park as well. And a quick shout-out to Worlds of Fun for incorporating a world's longest world something. I feel like they haven't done that in a very long time. Yeah, so we love to hear about it. We love to see that. That is what they did around the last 12 years or so. Now let's get into where we start the planning process, DJ, First, let's identify some room for improvement. 
And then that'll lead into some things that we must do as we plan the future of Worlds of Fun for around five years into the future. So, DJ, where do you think there's room for improvement at the park? I think something to note, this park has a lot of flat rides. There's a lot of different experiences. Um, I would argue that really almost every flat ride experience you would want is probably already at this park or was even at the park previously. This park used to have a sky ride. Um, It used to have a variety of different flats that um, you might be looking for that it's hard to find somewhere else. So um, obviously if it's gone, it's not coming back more than likely. But even the flats that they have now um, and the continuation to add more flats, the work that they do to refresh a lot of these flat rides, I don't think there's really a need there. I know we have some interesting ideas of what we would like to see at the park, but really I would say flat ride, that's kind of on the bottom half of what we're hoping for that this park adds in the next five years. Yeah, when I think of Cedar Fair parks that have really great flat ride offerings, two parks really come to mind. Worlds of Fun and Canada's Wonderland. Every Mm -hmm. couple of years, it seems like they're adding another unique flat ride that either I haven't encountered before or I've maybe seen in one place around the country. And then, boom, it's being added to one of these parks as well. So I think that is a point of strength for the park. Uh, But we, we briefly covered this at the top of the episode. Worlds of Fun has not added a new roller coaster since 2009. So I think us being real fans of coasters and us recognizing that they haven't added a coaster in a while, I think it's safe to say that we're going to add at least (laughs) one coaster in our planning of this park, DJ. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I'd take it a step further, too, that, you know, Prowler is extremely unique. It's a custom layout GCI. Uh, But up until then, we had a boomerang, which we see boomerangs all throughout the world. And then Patriot, which is an interesting ride, an inverted B&M, a great ride. I enjoy it. But it's almost a copy and paste of Talon at Dorney Park. Um, it's The layout is almost the exact same. And so I would even argue that really we haven't had a custom ro- roller coaster besides Prowler since really the Mamba. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting assertion there. I think that there is room for the park to become more unique in this uh, area where we're looking for room for improvement. The park, I think, you look at pictures of the past of what Worlds of Fun was and what it is now. Those are two very different parks. I mean, there was a huge, there were huge ships that were parked in lagoons that really drew out the story of around the world in 80 days and those aren't there anymore and that's okay but i think the park has some room to get a little more out there from maybe what cedar fair usually builds their parks to be and i think that's what we're going to focus on in our five-year plan for worlds of fun So let's get into our must-dos, DJ, things that we must consider when we are planning the future of the park. Number one, this is an easy one. Remove underperforming attractions in terms of reliability, satisfaction, capacity, and technology. Absolutely. We need to look at those different variables, figure out 
what could potentially be on the chopping block by looking at those four variables in relation to underperforming attractions. Not only that, but we're looking at rides that will increase the number of reliable high capacity attractions. This park can get very busy uh, being located yes. literally in the middle of Kansas City. Uh, you have to remember when the park was built, it was somewhat on the outskirts, but as the city has grown, as it's expanded, um, it's very close to city center at this point. And so another thing that I think we really should consider, and if any of our listeners have listened to our plan of parks for Six Flags America or Cedar Point, this is something that I am parroting over and over and over. I think that regional parks really need to increase the number of quote-unquote all-ride attractions. And I think Worlds of Fun fits into that need as well. It's something that the parks in Florida and California do amazingly. And you go to a regional park and they have a lot for the adults and a lot for the kids, but not a lot that everyone can experience together. And so I think that is something that we really need to look at when we're planning the future of Worlds of Fun. Absolutely. And I think this final point uh, is, is, is really something to point out, at least relating to the rides themselves and operations, and that is developing the park with a goal of four seasons of thrills. Now, obviously, in Kansas City, you can't have many things running in the middle of February. It gets quite cold. But what are some things that we can bring to the park that could either A, operate in the cold, that would be rideable, or B, um, would be at least an experience that could still happen uh, during all four seasons? Yeah, I want something that can be open during Winterfest. I think that's really important when we look to the future of the park. So really, we need to think of things that are going to bring in the locals, things that are repeatable, that people want to go multiple times, get that season pass to really be loyal customers of Worlds of Fun. Uh, we need to think of things that really contribute to the legacy of the park. I mean, there's a lot of legacy attractions out there. Some of them are still at the park today, but really, let's try to add some character to the park, DJ. Uh, it already has some character, but they can always have more. Something that really makes it a unique attraction in the Kansas City metro area. So DJ, I think that will lead into what we now cover, which will be both the chopping block and the wish list. Absolutely. And how we've done this before, we think of attractions that we feel, based off of everything we've talked about, the must-dos, uh, attractions that we think really just need to go, either the space is needed or just the ride itself um, is just not matching these must-dos that we've talked about. And then that wish list, that's going to be informed by recent Cedar Fair editions, our ideas, and the main thing to remember here, dear listener, this is by no means a realistic list. This is just what we would want added. We don't work for the park. We're not in those management conversations. We're both fans of the park. But we think, what are some things that would really not only uh, highlight our must-dos, but would really elevate this park into a whole uh, a different you know, view of what people think of this park? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. So for the chopping block, first thing on the block is the boomerang. <laughs> it is a relatively low capacity ride and it's sitting on some good land in the African section. So I think it's definitely possible that the boomerang could be something that is replaced in our five-year plan. 
There's plenty of room over by Boomerang as well. This was the original location of the Zambezi Zinger, uh, a roller coaster that uh, many fans of Worlds of Fun still miss to this day. I was unfortunately not old enough to experience that ride, but the photos I've seen, uh, the trip reports say it was a great ride, very unique. It was a Schwarzkopf uh, spiral lift ride. Um, is that called a jet coaster, I believe? Jumbo jet, something like that. J- something like that, but it had a great out and back layout and it, it go through the woods. Prowler does sort of that, but we have a great queue building we could even reuse still. Um, and yeah, the low capacity of Boomerang, not only that, but low reliability. It seems that almost every time I've been to that park um, in the past few years, it has been down at some point during the day. Oh. Well, what else has uh, maybe an issue with uptime versus downtime at the park, DJ? Well, we also have Steelhawk now. Again, this is the Mondial Windseeker that was relocated from Knott's Berry Farm. Um, on a couple of occasions, we've seen this um, ride be down, have that low reliability that we've been talking about. Uh, capacity is there, a quick ride cycle, um, but really something that uh, has low re- reliability. And we've really seen this across all the Cedar Fair parks with these Mondial Windseekers. So not only that, um, but also um, restrictions on when this ride can open. This is a very wind-dependent ride. Um, I-, I feel like the version at Cedar Point Uh, has also been down almost every time I've been there due specifically to the wind. And I know that's a park that's plagued with the wind, so it wasn't the only ride. But that's something else to consider on Steelhawk. Okay. Well, I also selected a couple of attractions at the park that uh, I feel are maybe a little obsolete, at least compared to the ride experience that they offer. Uh, Let's see if you get up in arms about this, DJ, but here we go. (laughs) The Flying Dutchman. It is a early generation swing ride. It's not a wave swinger that would maybe uh, spin on one axis and then rotate while spinning. Um, It's just a swing ride that spins you around as far as I'm concerned. Uh, There's one of these at Six Flags America as well, Uh, but it's definitely something that I think leaves room for improvement. So that's on the chopping block. If there's something that we could put better in its place, I think that we should take that chance. Next one is the Cosmic Coaster. It's a wacky worm. And I think that is an experience that we could definitely replace with a more cool experience, to put it that way. I mean, you can find a wacky worm almost anywhere. So to maybe replace that with a more advanced or a more photogenic kitty coaster, I think would really improve the park. And the last point you have on here, I want to ask you about this, Chris. I, I've, I've agreed with you on these last two. This one hurts me a little bit. Le Taxi okay. Tour. You have Le Taxi Tour hitting the chopping block. Now, your reasoning, you have Landhog written down here. Now, I would argue, you know, many rides are Landhogs, roller coasters, uh, flume rides, uh, different sort of, uh, even flat rides, to be honest. So I'm curious, do you not think the experience is worth the land that it takes up? Well, personally, I do enjoy when parks have antique cars that uh, people can ride. I mean, it's great for the little ones when they can get behind the wheel of a real live car and drive it around on a track. In this situation, I mean, look at the satellite image, DJ. Look where it is in the park. It's right in the center between Boomerang and their amphitheater and, oh, also the Flying Dutchman. Uh, It takes up so much land. 
A lot of it is simply driving through a field. It's not like it's driving through a wooded area or different show scenes or anything like that. It's just driving through a field on a cement track. And maybe <laughs> maybe we improve that or maybe we replace that, DJ. That's what I'm thinking. I, I get where you're coming from. Um, you have to imagine, too, uh, the amphitheater, where it was located, you know, everything in the Africa section was not there in the past. You have to imagine this ride, originally, it didn't have this huge path carving through Americana to connect Americana uh, with the Africa section. And so before that, you know, you would have a real in-the-woods experience. So I can agree with you that now it's more of, you know, being in a field with some pretty lights along the way. Um, I think that this is permissible if we find something um, that we can replace it with to do it justice. I will say uh, one more attraction I do want to take a good look at and consider to be on this chopping block for me is the Bamboozler uh, over in the Orient section, um, mainly because this is a very fair style ride. I mean, you would find this at a traveling carnival. It is themed a bit to uh, what this land is, this area of the park. Uh, but outside of that, I don't think it does this area much justice, especially considering uh, that that part of the park only contains uh, Spinning Dragons, which is a Gertzlauer spinning coaster we talked about, very copy and paste, uh, and a, I believe, a Panda Express. And I think some people think the ripcord technically is in that section of the park, but others would say it's in Americana. So really depends on what you think. That is the smallest uh, section of the park. And so I would like to see something replace the bamboozler and really bring this park, uh, this part, the section of the park into a, uh, a better, just, just increase that area, whether it's the experience you have, what you're doing. Uh, and I just think it needs more, more credit than what it has, especially knowing that the Orient Express used to be in this section of the park. I get what you're saying, and I, I do think I agree with you there. Uh, the Asian section could definitely benefit from a little TLC there. Now, let's go to the wish list, the fun part where we just let our minds run free. And the first thing that's on our list is something that would definitely anchor the park in the 21st century, I think. And that's what I think we should try to do. And um, that is a custom premier family launched coaster uh, maybe similar to Icebreaker that's going to be opening soon at SeaWorld Orlando. Uh, not necessarily with an impulse launch, as long as it just launches off and maybe has some hills and turns and uh, maybe interacts with the terrain. That would be nice. But I think that would be a great addition to Worlds of Fun. Another thing, and this is getting to my all-ride uh, soapbox that I get on, adding an all-ride dark ride or flume dark ride. And it could be themed to the Peanuts characters. I mean, we don't have any activation of the Peanuts license in attractions other than um, the dressing of flat rides. And I think that this would be an opportunity to take that partnership between uh, the Schultz estate and Cedar Fair to the next level. Uh, so I think maybe the Peanuts characters or... If they wanted to avoid further licensing costs, maybe around the world in 80 days, I don't know if that would be received better or worse than Peanuts as a dark ride theme, uh, but that is something that it's on our wish list. 
Also on this wish list, an air balloon ride. You can think of the balloon ride that's located at Disney Springs. Uh, maybe you have been to Branson, Missouri, and you've seen the balloon ride there on their Branson Landing shopping district. Uh, this is a very observational-like ride, uh, potentially taking the place of Steelhawk, so still giving you that, that observation element you're looking for, but much, much less thrill. This is something that, again, going back to all ride uh, attractions, the entire family could do this, get a great view, uh, and enjoy each other's company while doing so. And also uh, another interesting tidbit here, a themed stunt show in a newly refurbished amphitheater in the Americana section, themed to Around the World. Now this can be uh, straight out Jules Verne's inspiration, uh, straight from his book, or something loosely tied to it, but something that really gives this amphitheater something to have every single day, even if it's just one show a day, um, outside of the special events that they host there. And really those special events uh, have been kind of on the uh, lower side of frequency. It seemed like, you know, growing up, going to that park, there were all sorts of things happening throughout the summer in that theater, and the listings just kind of dwindled and dwindled. So it'd be nice to have a very high dollar high investment show happening at this amphitheater. Yeah, for something that's really in the heart of the park, like this amphitheater, uh, sort of just on the hill leading to Mamba, I think it's underutilized. So right now, the stage itself is a slab of cement. What if they were to really build that out so they could have more theater technology on a permanent basis there, and maybe even build a little bit of shade for the viewing area as well. Uh, I think that would really build out the park with another major experience if they were to do that. Absolutely. And I think something else that's missing here is uh, really a large indoor eatery. Um, now, yes, we do have uh, Cotton Blossom Barbecue, but something bigger. Think of Das Fest House uh, in Busch Gardens, Williamsburg. Maybe the Heritage Hall at Silver Dollar City, somewhere for maybe even a legendary KC barbecue joint to open up a satellite location. I'm not going to get into specifics of who I would like to see in that park, but just an idea. And maybe it doesn't have to be an actual um, existing restaurant, but something that's really, really large, maybe an entertainment uh, incorporated into this eatery, uh, but something to get you out of the heat and um, Complement a lot more people inside of the building. And another well, thing I... Before oh, go you ahead. go any further, DJ, uh, <laughs> that's actually pretty funny that you took those two references in a different direction, but it made me realize that the two examples that we wrote down on the outline, when I wrote Fest House and Heritage Hall, I was thinking of Fest House at Kings Island and Heritage Hall at Carowinds. But then I noticed that they have very similar counterparts at Busch Gardens, Williamsburg, and Silver Dollar City as well. I think that's pretty amusing. <laughs> Well, it goes to show uh, how similar these things are named and also our different experiences that we've had at these parks, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, the next thing that I think is on our wish list is a Gerschlauer Infinity Coaster. Uh, this would be another major addition for the park. There would definitely be lots of loops. This might be something on a similar scale to Hang Time, which opened a few years ago at Knott's Berry Farm. Uh, it usually just has that lap bar restraint, but you go through a ton of loops and rolls, and it's usually a very visually striking design. So I think that would look great at Worlds of Fun. 
another thing, and of course I've mentioned this with other parks as well, it's one of my favorite flat rides, and that is a Zamperla Air Race, because again, that is another visually striking attraction that has these arms that are spinning, and then those arms are spinning on another axis too. It's an incredible attraction. I think nearly every park could benefit from having a Zamperla Air Race in their attraction lineup, and Worlds of Fun is no exception to that. I'm just giving you a teaser, Chris, and also you, dear listener. I'm going to do everything I can to plan for a Gertzlauer Infinity Coaster to happen at Worlds of Fun. I've been saying this for years. I think it would be the perfect fit to this park. So get ready to hear me fight for it in our five-year plan. <laughs> hey, I might, not, I might not fight you on that, DJ. It's just a matter of when and where. And that's where we might butt heads. <laughs> Very true, very true. And let's also look at a couple more additions here, and then we'll get into our five-year plan. Two more things we do want to talk about. The potential for a Vacoma family boomerang. We've seen these really throughout the world, um, and it's in nowhere near similar to the boomerang at the park. That's a very intense ride experience, but it still has a shuttle element. So the train is brought up backwards, goes through the course forwards, stops, repeats the whole thing backwards again, but really includes maybe a couple helixes or helices, I guess you would say, uh, a few bunny hops here and there, um, but really something uh, family focused. This would be perhaps the first roller coaster beyond what's already at the park, like their um, cosmic coaster. Yeah, or maybe even a replacement to the Cosmic Coaster. Uh, we'd have to see if that would really fill that same niche at the park. Uh, closing up our wish list is, of course, something that I think a lot of coaster fans want to be built at their park, and that's an RMC single rail coaster. This would be another headlining attraction at the park. They're usually incredibly intense, usually pretty compact coasters as well, where you're just sitting on that rail one by one by one going through these incredibly tight inversions and they look like incredible attractions. I know you and I haven't ridden one of these yet, but I think they're going to continue to take the industry by storm. People are going to want to have this in their park. And I think that is something that maybe Worlds of Fun could benefit from as well. So that's what we have on our wish list, but you'll notice maybe something that isn't on this wish list, and let's explain that. There is no RMC conversion on this wish list of a wooden coaster, and that's because they have already put so much work into the Timberwolf to really make that a good, uh, sustainable wooden coaster experience, and the Prowler is pretty decent as well, definitely with those Millennium Flyer trains. I think so. And speaking on the Prowler quickly, yeah, I've noticed it has more vibrations now than it used to. Um, but I would imagine that's such a unique coaster layout that we'll probably see something similar uh, that happened to Timberwolf if we see any work happen, because I'm sure cost savings wise, too. Um, I know the amount of work they did on Prowler. There's bridges going over the, the creeks and all sorts of uh, interactive elements going underneath itself. So I doubt we will see any RMC conversion there. So those are our two choices. We don't think it's plausible that's going to happen, at least not in our five-year plan. So that is not on the list. Sorry, RMC fans. We did include a single rail, but uh, we'll see if it actually makes the plan. <laughs> that's right. So now let's get into it, our five-year plan. Uh, we're going to start in 2022 because we already know it's happening this year in 2021. And we'll close it up in 2026 and see how we feel. So let's just quickly go into 2021. They are opening Riptide Raceway, the world's longest mat racing water slide. 
Okay, that's what that is. 2022, DJ, we have already said this in the episode a few times. I think the park is overdue for a big, flashy new roller coaster. This is actually a different direction that we, than we've taken with a park like Six Flags America or Cedar Point in our Planet Park episodes for those parks. We've sort of, I think, worked towards a big new coaster in our lineup. With this, with Worlds of Fun, I think we just got to go for it, and then that will open up the rest of the plan. What do you think about that? Uh, I 100% agree with you. want to also note that in 2021, they might be adding the guy from Seoul to the Viking Voyager. Uh, we'll see <laughs> if it happens. But I agree with you on 2022. Uh, and I'm ready to tell you exactly what I think Coaster should be placed in 2022, what should be taken out of the park. And I think it's actually going to surprise you because I misled you a little bit. Okay, I'm all ears. I'm ready. It is not a Gertzlauer Infinity Coaster. And I also okay. do not think it would be an RMC single rail coaster. I think it would be a premier coaster, but I'm going to disagree with you here. I don't think it would be a family launch coaster like Icebreaker. I think what would make a lot of sense to replace the Boomerang is a Skyrocket model premier coaster renamed the Zambezi Zinger. I think the type of ride that the coaster is, the experience being shot up straight up in the air, being launched... It would take up the existing footprint of Boomerang. I would assume it could fit there. I'm not an engineer. I'm looking at Google Maps. It might. But I'm not going to get into the comparison of finding another similar coaster. But you think about it, Chris. This ride is really taller than it is long. So there's really no height restrictions at this park. They already have a hyper coaster. Um, I do want to bring back the Zambezi Zinger name somewhere. How cool would it be to use the existing queue, or at least part of it? I know there's a haunted house there using that queue now. But being able to bring back the name, maybe even a little bit of the retroness, because retro things are, you know, in right now, especially from that era. Uh, it's very popular. It might look dated in the future, but a bright, shiny coaster, something that really you can't find anywhere else other than the East Coast and the West Coast and in, in Florida, in this part of the country. Um, I think it'd be a solid addition. What do you think? Well, here's my thoughts with that. I like what you're saying. I definitely think that the park would benefit from replacing the Boomerang with the Skyrocket 2. But is this something that will redefine what it means to go to Worlds of Fun? I think in a variety of ways it could. I think for one, I would argue, and tell me what you think, because this is a little subjective, but these Skyrocket rides, I've only been on one, and I know they're copy and pasted, they are an incredible ride experience, I think. I think that they're very intense. Um, obviously, you know, you'd probably say, oh, you've done one, you've done them all, but it's hard to find something like that so close to Kansas City that does this. Um, but also, I think it is kind of bringing Worlds of Fun into a new era because this would be the first and only launch coaster that the park has ever had. Um, they've not had an experience like that before, especially if they can get the model that had the lap bar, not the comfort collars. I don't know if they're still doing that on these rides, but um, I, I think it could be an experience that really people would talk about the Midwest, uh, uh, throughout the Midwest, especially those who are, who are not enthusiasts and don't realize um, that they're not that rare of a ride, um, but it would be something for them to talk about. And 
It also makes me think, it answers kind of that capacity question. We've seen these with three separate cars on each train. And I believe we've also seen in the version at Mexico, I believe, uh, there's a train switching capability. So you can actually have two trains running on the ride. So if they really wanted to answer that capacity issue, I think this would also do it as well. And I think it kind of paves the way for something big and it kind of satiates the appetite for a new roller coaster. Okay. I think you've convinced me. So yes, I am okay with that. We're going to have a Skyrocket 2 replacing Boomerang for 2022. Okay. I and we're going to call it the Zambezi Zinger. <laughs> we have yeah. to. And yeah. we're going to we can the <laughs> queue line can harken back to that ride, but you also now have a ride. I mean, you know, Africa's not known for boomerangs. That's an Australian thing. Um, so we have a ride that fits the Africa section much more and really owns that section. Yeah. Okay. Let me think about 2023 now, DJ. I think I just, this is where... I just realized Prowler kind of owns Africa now that I've said that. But. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is where we build an all-ride attraction because I think we can sort of make 22 and 23 a one-two punch, or I guess it should be a two-three punch because it's 22 and 23, but I think this is where we get another quote-unquote major attraction, and I think in our fantasy creation of the future of this park, they're going to put in the Skyrocket 2 all the ticket sales and the season pass sales are going to go crazy as soon as they announce it. And then they say, wow, we really need to build out this park more. So then in 23, they build that dark ride that everybody can ride. What do you think about that? I do like that. I'm not going for a roller coaster in 2023. It's just too soon now that we said one's coming in 2022. They're not going to do one after the other. Um, it's just we're not looking at flat rides, so... Um, I think a dark ride is definitely something, an all-ride dark ride, something that this park um, desperately needs. Um, there's really nothing even comparable to a dark ride at this park outside of maybe Cyclone Sam's, but all that is is a ride in a building with some flashing lights with pictures, I mean, and some sound effects. Not really a dark ride at all. Is there anything you're looking at to compare it to? Um... I don't think it should be a shooting dark ride because I don't I think I think that novelty is wearing off and I yeah. think the pandemic has facilitated that. But just something that people can get in the air conditioning for some amount of time and just be shown a series of scenes and then they're out on the rest of their day. It's a nice attraction that people will want to do with their little ones and I think that would really benefit Worlds of Fun. The question now is where? And I think I have an idea in my head, DJ. Let me see what you think about this. What if we were to put it on the land between Skyhawk and the new section of Timberwolf? Right now, that's just a slope field. There is a haunt maze in that area, but just put it right next to that. Yes, Blood on the what Bayou. What do you think about that? Uh, so, and you said Steel Steelhawk and yeah. the Helix. I think it could go there. One thing to keep in mind, we do have an access road back there. Uh, very eh, critical, to the park's, critical to the park's infrastructure. They could. Um, 
It is interesting to note that that section of the road is crossed for Blood in the Bayou. I think that's more of a temporary thing, however, so um, definitely would have to mitigate that. I think it would be a, a decent place to put it, a show building there. You could just have the access road run behind it. Um, you can easily access it. Um, I think so. I think I agree with your placement because if they're not going to replace it, if they're, if they're going to, I should say this, if, if they're going to replace something, I don't know what we replace that would make sense because that kind of section by Steelhawk, um, yes, it is Americana, but they get kind of loose with their theming. Uh, and so it wouldn't have to be American themed at all. Um, it wouldn't feel out of place either. I don't think. Yeah. And I don't think that there is, I mean, in that area where we would be building this by right now, in the park itself, it's sort of a cross between a strip mall of closed buildings, usually, and a few games, if I'm not mistaken. And they can easily incorporate one of these closed buildings into um, the queue itself and save some money there. Uh, that the queue then leads directly into the show building in that undeveloped land just behind there. Yeah, and I think that strip mall structure you're talking about, um, it was an arcade at one point. I think it's been completely shuttered. I could be wrong, but I believe it is now a permanent haunt installation. There used to be an indoor arcade. I think that's gone. It's only for haunts. So, you know, I do like the location of, of what you're thinking. Um, I would have to go with your gut on this. I would agree with you. What I'm struggling with is how is this going to be themed? Peanuts would make sense with you know the IPs they currently have, but I, it feels like all these new rides that Cedar Fair is putting out, if there's something similar to this, they're not using anything related to Peanuts anymore. Um, I'm thinking of both the uh, oh that live theater experience at Cedar Point. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my Forbidden head. Forbidden Frontier. Forbidden Frontier. Now we have this, the Snake River adventure coming to Cedar Point. That's Snake River Expedition. Yeah. That's not themed to Peanuts. We have the new attraction that opens at Knott's Berry Farm. Now, obviously, there's more history there, but that's not themed to Peanuts. Um, well, here's the thing. Just because they haven't done it doesn't mean that they couldn't do it. Because think about synergy here. If we were to create an easily contained dark ride design that can be put up on flat ground or nearly fat, flat ground uh, to build a dark ride there that is satisfactory for the guests that ride it, that could so easily, and I say this in relative terms, easily be ported over to pretty much every other Cedar Fair Park. Does this make sense then, location-wise, to have this Peanuts experience, um, albeit it is close, but it is not located in Planet Snoopy? I don't think that matters, at least to me. I think that's I think that's fair. Um, I I think I'll go with you. I think I'll go with this decision: a Peanuts dark ride located next to Steelhawk, where the overbank turn of Timberwolf is now in sort of the western, southwestern edge of the park. Um, I think it would be a great addition. Um, you've got me convinced on Peanuts. Uh, just really wanted to hear your thoughts on that. 
again, we yeah. don't know what the conversations are there. So I think that's a great choice. All right. So that's 2023. 2024, I think we got to go one more year before we just build a huge coaster, DJ. What do you think you would want to do in 24? Yeah, I agree with you on the coaster sentiment. Um, looking at what we've talked about in the wish list, I think what comes to mind, something that I would like to see here, um, I think it would be great to see the Around the World theme stunt show. I'm going to go with that in the amphitheater. I say that because, you know, I, of, I often find myself a bit sad to see the amphitheater sitting there. I know they do special events, uh, but I do know that it's not used as much as it was, nearly as much as it was in the past. I remember um, almost one-hit wonders coming to that amphitheater relevant uh, acts from the area's radio stations putting on concerts. Um, so to see it have a permanent installation similar to a nightly show, you could think of something like the Echo Hollow show at Silver Dollar City, something similar to that that keeps folks around uh, for the end of the day and is something that, you know, I, f I find Worlds of Fun to be one of those parks where you go for four or five hours and you think, okay, I I'm good. I've experienced everything I want to experience if you don't want to do nighttime rides. Um, and so this could be a way to keep people um, in the actual uh, park uh, and I really don't think it's hurting anything to do that. They've got the infrastructure yeah. there to get people in. The only thing to point out is that during Halloween Haunt, it is used for their slaughterhouse haunt as a line. So they might have to rework the queue there a bit. Well, here's a thought to that end, DJ. For Haunt, I know that's already really big business at Worlds of Fun. If they refurbish this amphitheater, make it so that there's a lot of advanced technology there that they can hold a very spectacle heavy popular show they could do something similar to what knott's berry farm does every year for their not scary farm which is called the hanging which oh, is yes. a uh it's a show that's pretty much rewritten every year to uh really borrow from pop culture and events throughout the year um make fun of a lot of things i mean um universal in their Halloween Horror Nights, did a similar version of this kind of show with, what's it called again? It's Jack, isn't it? The Clown? Wasn't no, that this a... was the show that was the movie. The... Um, gosh, what is... Guitar. It? It's the two white guys. Oh, um... <laughs> I, just, I just keep thinking Mike, Tim and Eric. Mike... Michael Myers, that guy? No, um, no, 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 it's oh. not. Oh, my goodness. This is, it's the show that was so popular at Halloween Horror Nights, but, and it was rewritten every year. How am I not remembering this? It's excellent. That. Yeah, Mike Myers is the. No, it's not. Oh, uh, I can't believe I can't remember this. It's he's, not, the, he's the character. Mike Myers is. No, no, no. It's not Wayne's World. Oh, Bill it's and Ted. Not Wayne's. Bill and Ted, that's I what it was. I get that confused. I get that confused with oh, that show. I can't believe that was so difficult to bring that out of our minds. But Bill and Ted. Oh, I feel exhausted now after trying <laughs> to remember that. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I've not seen that movie, so I have no help. <laughs> I haven't either, but I know how popular that show was at Halloween Horror or Nights. And movies, I should say. Oh, I need to take a breather. Okay. 
Well, yeah. thank you, dear listener, for joining us for that. Uh, that was uh, just an excellent expose into the <laughs> thoughts of DJ and Chris, what goes on in our minds. We're so worried about haunt attractions that we forget basic pop culture references. Well, who knows if I'll even cut this out or not. I don't know at this point. <laughs> that was painful. Oh, my goodness. Okay. But yes, it would be maybe a big nighttime show during Haunt in the line of Bill and Ted or The Hanging. I think that that would be really popular and a major attraction for Halloween Haunt at Worlds of Fun. And hey, who knows, during Winterfest, maybe they'll make it an ice skating show. Cedar Fair already has a Snoopy on ice style show out there that they have ported to various parks here and there. Maybe this is the next location of it um, when this theater gets rebuilt and built up, this amphitheater. Yeah, they'll have to make some changes to everything that's included in the amphitheater. So, yes, you would see a renovation there as well. So I like the idea. We're not sure what the show would be. We know it's around the world centered on something, whether it's a direct rip or Worlds of Funified version. Um, We would love to see that. So we're in agreement there for 2024, Around the World Spectacle Show. 2025. Now we've got two years left in this five-year plan, 2025 and 2026. I would wager, Chris, we want to incorporate another coaster before we wrap this up. Um, Does it happen in 2025 or does it happen in 2026? I think it's very far-fetched, even on our wish list, to assume they would put two coasters together. So I don't think we can do a coaster each year here. Yeah, I think one of these left, one of these years left in 25 and 26 is going to be the coaster that blows the rest of our budget and redefines the skyline and brings in thousands and thousands of people. And the other year is going to be a water park edition. Okay, okay. Well, let's or, start with. Oh, go or ahead. Or if we're not doing water park, I mean, let's look at our wish list. Is the next year, the other year that isn't the coaster year, is this where we add the balloon ride or the indoor eatery that also has entertainment and merchandise applications or maybe the family boomerang? I don't know. I mean, we don't have enough you know, time or money to do all the things that we want. I don't think I'm going to ditch the indoor eatery personally um, because I think that this park is just not known for you know, really their food. They're trying to do that with Cotton Blossom, um, but I'd want to see how that pans out before an investment is made into a large indoor eatery that we hope will attract a lot of people, especially on those slower days when we don't have as many people at the park. Um, I think let's go with our food options we have. We have Cotton Blossom. uh, We have all these other locations. Let's stick with that um, and, and keep that. Something to consider that's come into my mind we don't have on the wish list is the water park itself doesn't have, um, any sort of, uh, not skyline sort of ride, but it doesn't have like a bowl slide, you know, that big whoa factor. Uh, there's no mm. like bowl or like what the, the Zynga is, that kind of uh, cone-shaped funnel slide. And I don't know if it makes sense there. It is uh, something worthy to note that, you know, since with everything that's happened in 2020 and, and things before, this is now the only water park in Kansas City, at least a major water park. Hmm. They also don't have a water coaster, but that might be too big to package in our five-year plan. 
Yeah, and really the monsoon is not a water coaster, but it kind of bridges that in between there. Yeah, okay. Kind of a thrilling water attraction. Well, what about the water slide that has a sort of half-pipe element to it? Something like Colossal Curl at Water Country USA and Adventure Island in the SeaWorld parks, where it goes and it has a few twists and then a drop into a half-pipe element, and then it drops into another enclosed section with maybe another twist and turn here and there, and then a funnel or something like that? What would you think about something like that? A dynamic uh-huh. raft slide uh-huh. that does a few things like that. Yes, I would be all for that. I love, I'd call it like this, uh, like a wave wall where you you come down a pretty steep drop into this half pipe, more, more of a quarter pipe because it's one side. You come up one side and then you fall back down. Um, the version of that uh, that I have been on is at uh, Volcano Bay, kind of a similar sort of uh, motion going on there. That was a very thrilling ride. That was a water slide that I really enjoyed. And it, it's hard for me to enjoy a water slide unless it's a, a water coaster. Um, and so I think that would be a great addition. Maybe this colossal curl, um, whatever you want to call it, quarter pipe with a small funnel, something like that, uh, to really set set the Oceans of Fun park, water park, uh, as a, having another great addition to it that everyone can enjoy. Um, obviously not the entire family, but it is something that would add to its thrilling lineup of slides. Yeah. So how about we put that in 2025, uh, we pencil that into Oceans of Fun, Let's take a quick look at the satellite image, see if there's any obvious spots for uh, the addition of this major slide. I would say over where Aruba Tuba is. Um, it's somewhat difficult to get to this ride. It's kind of a more of a strenuous walk than the others. It's really kind of located um, in an interesting section. You have a, a, a cool play place area uh, over in this part of the park, but um, I think it would be great where Rubatuba is because all the Rubatuba is is really just uh, the typical tube slide that you would see at other water parks. You know, I was just going to say that because I was looking at that area of Oceans of Fun and I said, huh, there's some land around that. We could really work with that. And really yeah, draw okay. people back there too, I think, because mm-hmm. there's really not – most of the newer stuff is towards the southern end of the park. And so that northeastern section of Oceans of Fun could definitely use something over there. Okay. So that's 2025. Going to put in that fancy raft slide. <laughs> okay. Here's the year, 2026. This is where we spend the rest of the money that we've been saving. Yes. We're going to go all out. And can, we're going to add – Add some stipulations to this. Okay. This is going to be our last year. we got to go crazy. I think whatever we do has to break some sort of record because it's the only thing that we haven't really included here, um, I think, that needs to happen. Some sort of ride, at least if it's not world's first or world's only, at least the region's biggest blank, something like that. Okay, DJ, let me throw you for a loop. Pun you can definitely intended. you can definitely do that. I love the pun. I mean, we're looking at Gertzlauer Infinity Coaster. We're looking at RMC Single Rail Coaster. Are you going to do something with that? We didn't have this on our wish list, but let's think about what Cedar Fair has done 
in years past. In 2016, they added a coaster to Cedar Point called Val Raven. It was a big dive coaster with that wide train of eight people in a row, and then a large vertical drop, an Immelman loop, some large sweeping elements after that. In 2019, they added... Yukon Striker, Canada's Wonderland? Is that what you're yes, thinking? Yes, they added Yukon Striker at Canada's Wonderland as a another very large B&M dive coaster with those same characteristics as Val yeah. Raven, but this time with a vertical loop as well. And the tallest dive coaster in the world now, I think, is yeah. Yukon Striker. And it's so cool, it dives into the lake underneath their suspended coaster. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> What if we were, because I know the public loves dive coasters. Yes, they do. Even if they are <laughs> comparatively short to other major roller coasters, the public As our TikTok loses. would say, drop that sucker. <laughs> yeah. The public loses their minds whenever there is a dive coaster because that is the ultimate flashy roller coaster that people can take pictures of when it's dropping and then it goes whoosh. And everyone says, oh, my goodness, look at that coaster. That's incredible. I mean, even Griffin is probably, I'd say, still the most popular roller coaster in Busch Gardens Williamsburg. No it's doubt. It's probably no doubt. very similar at Busch Gardens Tampa with Shikra. Uh, Cedar Point, I know that Val Raven still commands uh, pretty decent lines compared to a lot of the other legendary coasters there. It gets I a lot of love to... from having that dive element. You know, yeah. even at Cedar Point, there are taller coasters, Millennium Force, Top Thrill Dragster, but you don't get that fear that tangling over the edge does. Some people can just not take that, and that's yeah. something that draws them to the ride of being dangled over the edge. So, DJ, I think we should cast aside our wish list, at least for 2026. Let's put in a dive coaster. I'm going to run with this because my mind is now racing. I thought maybe yeah. <laughs> I would disagree with you as you started talking about this, but hear me out for where this goes, what it's called, what it does. Okay. We take a dive coaster. Let's go ahead and scrap Steelhawk. Let's, let's not replace it. We've got a dark ride over there now kind of holding down that section of the park. And I don't want to put it there. I don't want to put it there. I want to go back to what I said about the bamboozler uh, and how the bamboozler and spinning dragons makes up the Asian section of the park. Um, I think there's an area of land, Chris, right next to the entrance of the park. It's, it's as you drive towards the entrance, you see the Patriot from the parking lot. It's really stunning. The elevation at the parking lot is higher than the park. So you see pretty much the whole park from driving in. That section of land, that sweet, unused section uh, where Orient Express was located, I think, Chris, that is where this ride should go. This dive coaster in the Asian section of the park, named after some sort of creature uh, that would be similar to that part of the world. Something like, you know, we have Leviathan, and Valraven, Behemoth, um, all these different IPs, Banshee. Uh, just a one-word something, and be a record-breaking dive coaster. I don't think it has to be Yukon Striker, but maybe tallest dive coaster in the United States. I like the sound of that. And I think there's a way to incorporate it over the entrance, maybe. Something similar that we're seeing with 
a lot of the new Cedar Fair parks, or at least get well, close to it. They just built the entrance. They're not going to scrap that. <laughs> but maybe maybe sweep it over is what I'm saying, or sweep it over something, over, over the Asian section of the park. There's the nice bridge there with the creek behind the carousel uh, that, that intersects into Viking Voyager, something to where it's not just packed in there. But, you know, you're going to see that drop now, the first thing. It, it might even... Um, dwarf the Mamba at this point because it would be the tallest ride in the park. Uh, Steelhawk is gone, so uh, it, would be re- it would be replacing that at least ride lineup-wise, uh, but we'll have another tall ride. Um, and it really is more of a thrill than Steelhawk while still getting incredible views as you slowly climb that hill and more than likely do some sort of turnaround in the air. What do you think? I definitely think that that would bring a lot of visual intrigue to the park skyline, especially from Interstate 435 that goes right next to the park. That would definitely be noticeable from there. But DJ, I'm concerned that we're... Is it possible that we're getting too out there for what Worlds of Fun is? Like, should we consider the dive coaster model that is something similar to Emperor at SeaWorld San Diego or Kraka in uh, Haida Park in Germany, where it's six across and it's a, a smaller gauge of track, but it still does uh, these large sweeping maneuvers just in a smaller scale. I don't know because... Okay, if if that comment is coming from capacity or train size, we do have Mamba at the south side of the park with six cars of six, so 36 people per train with three trains on that ride. I don't know if capacity concerns me or if, if, if size of track is what you're talking about. I don't know that that would concern me as more of I do think whatever this is, it needs to have some sort of of record they can tie to it. Something that sets it apart from other things, at least in the surrounding area. Now, I was thinking maybe we incorporate this with the Infinity Coaster, have something like um, Hang Time, where we do get the steep drop, maybe even region steepest or something like that. We can also do some loops, but I think you lose the visual intrigue at that point. It's not something that's very striking from from at least the interstate, let's say, because that track gauge is smaller. Yes, it could be, you know, just as tall, but those trains aren't as big. So what do you think about that? Well, let me ask you this. The B&M dive coaster, I think that's what we've agreed. That's what we want to do for 26. Would you rather have a height record or the most inversions in a dive coaster, or maybe the longest dive coaster? Because I think it might be more realistic to achieve the uh, ladder where we get more inversions and a longer ride experience if we go the smaller version of the dive coaster with that smaller gauge of track that'll be less steel uh, so that we could maybe stretch that dollar further and build out more of a ride. I think that's fair inversion-wise, yes, if we go with the smaller gauge of track. If we stay with the eight gauge of track, that large track, I think in the space I'm looking at, which also I didn't... Are you, are you good with that space that I recommended? Over I there? like that space. Okay. I do. Um, 
I think it would be difficult to do the inversion record in that small of a space with the large track. So I think you would have to go with short. What is the height record in North America, or not North America, for the United States for dive coaster? Is it like 220 probably? Well, for the United States itself, the biggest dive coaster is Valraven at 223 feet tall, I'm pretty sure, with a 215-foot drop. Um, so how hard would it be to just go 230 with this? Um, I don't know. I, I do like the inversion. I think once you do the inversions, then you're getting into another qualifier, like, oh, it's the tallest, or it's the most inversions on a dive coaster. Well, that's is, what Cedar Fair does fair. anyway. That's true. That's that's <laughs> yeah. very true. At least they're not. At least we're not calling um, Larson loops roller coasters. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, anyway. Not well, yet. Hmm. I think I could meet you in the middle on this. I think as long as it's tallish to see from the interstate, it wouldn't have to be as tall as Mamba. Maybe it is. Um, but I think I could meet you at inversion record, which would be four inversions. I think so. Um, how many does Yukon Striker have? Uh, it might have four, but that's in Canada. We could get the United States record yeah. with four. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Four would definitely take the record for the United States when it comes to dive coasters, unless we're considering hang time, <laughs> because then mm, that would, true. that would complicate things a little bit. So maybe we should scrap the idea of taking that inversion records for a dive coaster and just... Go after height where it has the big drop, an Immelman loop, a sweeping turn, the mid-course break, another big drop, another Immelman loop, another overbank turn, and then we're done. Essentially like most other second-generation B&M dive coasters like Shikra or Griffin. And I know there's a lot of love out there for the lore of the vampire haunted house located right by Spinning Dragons, but that used to be the original queue of Orient Express. Perhaps that could be repurposed. I mean, I can see this taking shape already. A right-hand turn pointed towards Patriot, out of the station, large lift up to the end of the lot, 90-degree turn to the right, large drop, Emelman back over. You could definitely fit that in there. Okay. I love that Immelman that you would also see from the parking lot. You'd walk in and, oh my gosh, like, there it is. Yeah. So we'll make this the big version of the dive coaster, the larger gauge, so we can get eight across in each row, each of those three rows per train. It'll have a great capacity, great reliability, because it's a B&M, and it will be the next major headlining attraction at Worlds of Fun. And really a headlining attraction for also this section of the park, which in all honesty, I would consider more of a, a Japan theme park with the section of the park with the type of rides that's there. So something themed to Japanese legend, myth or lore, um, I think would be great. It might be another opportunity for another dragon themed ride or something completely separate. Yeah. Okay. I think we have our five year plan, DJ. I think we do, too. I think this is solid. Let's run through the five years, what we've planned. We know Riptide Raceway is coming this year in 2021, but starting in 2022, a Skyrocket 2 from Premier Rides. We're going to call it the Zambezi Zinger, perhaps even use some of the remaining Q line that's also being used by a haunted Q. house at the moment. What'd I say? You said Q line. <laughs> oh, from, from the Q. My apologies. Don't want any oxymorons here. Uh, <laughs> 
Or no, that's not an oxymoron. That's redundancy. Uh, but Skyrocket 2 replacing that, replacing the boomerang uh, to start off our five-year plan. Okay. Then in 2023, we are going to add a dark ride that nearly everyone can experience when they visit the park that is going to really take advantage of the Peanuts licensing with Charlie Brown, Snoopy, and the rest of the gang uh, really putting that lore into a dark ride that could potentially be a proof of concept to be expanded to other Cedar Fair parks that will be uh, taking the place of undeveloped land um, pretty close to Steel Hawk. Followed by that in 2024 in Around the World Spectacle Show in a refurb theater located in the Americana section of the park. Uh, perhaps uh, something themed to haunt as well, similar to the hanging at Knott's Berry Farm, but at least a year-round show uh, that is accessible uh, throughout the year, end-of-the-day show, and maybe even bleed over into Winterfest as well. Oh, yeah. In 2025, we're going to add a pretty dynamic raft slide that'll have many different elements, uh, pretty similar to Colossal Curl at a lot of the SeaWorld water parks on the East Coast. It'll have a half pipe and then a funnel and lots of twists and turns as well. It will be replacing Aruba Tuba and the Oceans of Fun side of the park. And finally, in 2026, a last-minute addition for us, but a good one, I think. A B&M Dive Coaster, located in the Asian area section of the park, Orient, as it's called currently, near the entrance of the park. Uh, also, not taking the place of, but removing Steel Hawk at the same time. It's giving you that large observation kind of experience with the thrill, uh, something very striking, uh, giving justice to that part of the park, uh, and really potentially uh, being one of the most popular rides at the park, if not the most popular ride. Oh, yeah. I love the sound of that. So that is our five-year plan. I think this, if I were a season pass holder to Worlds of Fun, this five-year plan would have me thrilled. I completely agree. As someone who has been going to the park his whole life, this is something that would have me thrilled. Uh, real quickly, some things we didn't do. Uh, Flying Dutchman's still around. Lake Taxi Tour's still around. Thank <sighs> you. <laughs> and some things that we did not add that we talked about. We talked about an air balloon ride, a large indoor eatery, Gertzlauer Infinity Coasters, Imperla Air Race, Vacoma Family Boomerang, and that RMC Single Rail Coaster. Yeah, we might just have to come back and do the next five years of Worlds of Fun and, and find a place for all of these cool things that we want to bring to the park. I think I want to just say real quick, uh, I might be playing No Limits tonight because it's got my <laughs> mind racing for what this dive coaster might look like. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you do come out with the finished product for that, DJ, uh, be it's sure to share it with me and the listeners as well so that we can really get a look into your creative process for uh, what you think a dive coaster could be like at Worlds of Fun. It's a new TikTok coming. Oh, I, I like the sound of that. I like how you're thinking. Well, DJ, that was our five-year plan for Worlds of Fun. It's time to hit the brakes, but we're not done yet. Mm -hmm. 
We're not done yet. Be sure to tell your friends about Corkscrew Convos. One of the best things you can do for us is not only recommend us, but also if you're listening on a platform like Apple Podcasts, be sure to write us a five-star review. If you do, we'll read that review on the show. Uh, It helps us out tremendously. You'll get a great shout-out, and it's really a great way to help us out, and probably the best way you can help us out right now. We would appreciate it. And be sure to send us questions so we can have a Corkscrew Conversation with you. There's a variety of ways to do that, right, Chris? Oh, yes. We are on the Facebook. We're on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Corkscrew Convos. Just search that. You're going to find us. We have that email address, corkscrewconvos at gmail.com. In addition to a website that we have now, which is corkscrewconvos.com, where we're going to uh, really be expanding what we're offering in terms of content and the different forms of content in the near future. So be on the lookout for that. And if you've made it this far, dear listener, you truly are uh, the shining student of today's session. Uh, We really appreciate (laughs) you joining us. Appreciate you having uh, us around for class today. Hope you learned something. But I'd say it's safe to say if you've been around this long, Uh, consider following us if you've made it this far. Um, It's a great way to have our new podcast up on your device whenever it comes out. You don't have to watch it immediately or anything, but having it in a queue for you to watch is really something that I love on my podcast or listen to at this point. So consider that as well. Yeah, if you've been listening to this Planet Park for Worlds of Fun, I bet that you've probably been thinking your own thoughts about what you would do if you were handed the reins of Worlds of Fun. So go ahead and tweet us what you would do, and uh, we will definitely compare notes. And, you know, until then, I will be at the park, so maybe we'll take your feedback and I will go to the section of the park you tell me to go and say, no, that's not going to work, or that's the greatest idea I've ever heard. Yeah, DJ, you will definitely be uh, headed out to Worlds of Fun in the near future as well. I really look forward to following along on Instagram and TikTok and what other platforms you choose to document your travel with. But until next time, my name is Chris. And my name is DJ. And this has been another Corkscrew Convo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>